No, no, Marina, no, I'm not doing it this week. No, no, it's just not fair. I mean, it's just so many Space 1999 Series 2s and so many Joe 90s. Even though I love Joe 90, but I love other shows too, and we've not even seen a UFO yet. And I just know that if I press that button, it's gonna be another Torchy or something about a killer rock. <laughs> no, you do it. You do it this week. No, you. You press the button, and you see how you like getting another torchy or... state but no still not quite there one more yeah that's got it right thank you oh sorry i was so rude to you just there i don't know what happened right what's going on randomizer what's all the noise about oh oh well this is all very interesting evidently all that noise is what happens when the randomizer lands on part two of a two-part story now, according to randomizer rules, that means we watch part one this week and part two next week. And which show does our first randomizer two-parter hail from? Well, we need something pretty special to turn all this around, and I think we found just that. Here's Dick Spanner with part one of The Case of the Human Cannonball. The name's Spanner. Dick Spanner. Private investigator. Well, I'd been hoping for something a bit different, and the randomizer has certainly come through for us this time. Uh, couldn't be more different, in fact. This is uh, the very first episode of Dick Spanner. I should explain that uh, I'm not watching... Uh, this was shown in uh, 11 five-minute installments. I'm watching this in the, uh, the two-part compilation version that was later repeated on Channel 4. I can't watch... I couldn't put all of those individual episodes into the randomizer, that would be silly. And we don't want to be silly where Dick Spanner's concerned. It's not a silly show, as you probably know. It was time to hit the sack. The sharp stab of pain made me realize it was a dumb move. Now, there are several series that I've been... Uh, Oh, I just noticed a uh, NASA probe from Terrorhawks in the background there. There's a lot of stuff like that in this show anyway. Uh, there's a few shows that I've been slightly hesitant to see come up in the randomizer. Uh, the Protectors, because I'm not sure the episodes are different enough to really uh, to be able to give me much to say about them. Um, oh, this poor old lady. This poor old lady's been eaten by the octopus. Um... Lavender Castle is another one that I'm not especially looking forward to covering because I've never seen any of them. Um, I think it's the only show that I've never really sat down and watched episodes of. And then there's this. This dame was standing by the window toting a big piece of luggage. Now, I love this show. 
but it's very difficult to talk about it on audio because it is such a visual show, as you heard earlier during the uh, uh, hit the sack gag. Around the room, they came out on stocks. Or even that, with her eyes coming out on stalks, it, it's not going to translate to audio. So let's see, uh, let's see what we can do with this anyway. She was a lonely chick in a big city. I took the case. I was back out on the street. I wondered what the hell she had in this thing. Oh, there's in the, in the background again. There's another uh, uh, something from the MEV from Terrorhawks, I think, as well. The the claw thingy. Uh, <gasps> This is so different from what's what you would traditionally associate a Jerry Anderson show with. I'm not sure how many people listening to this are going to be familiar with Dick Spanner. If you don't know it, it would be an enormous help to me if you could turn this off, go and watch it, and then I would feel slightly more confident uh, talking about something that is so... not just extremely visual and was still looking for my first lead with with so many little in jokes and touches in the background the some of which you can you know, watch these a hundred times and still not notice but difficult when you got 30 fingers i've forgotten where i was going i'm j i just keep getting distracted by what i'm seeing a 10 gallon hat i'm i'm staring into the background looking for like there's a picture of an eagle on the wall there. Um, the animation on this is, um, that was, uh, somebody trying to kill Dick with a bomb has just, uh, killed themselves somehow. Uh, yeah, the animation on this is obviously, um, it's been produced on a budget, but it is, for what it is, it is extremely well done. It's very intricate. Um, it's not going to win any awards for like uh, pacing or, or realism or anything, but I don't think that's what they're trying to do. It's just cramming as many jokes on the screen as you can possibly get on there. It was ticking like a cheap watch. I figured I had around 10 seconds before the Big Bang. I knew that it was going to be one of those nights. And that is uh, where the original episode one ended, but we're pressing on into episode two. And uh, one of the things I, I kind of love about these, the cliffhangers on these, is the resolution at the start of the following episode. That's once. Looks and feels completely different to the cliffhanger that ended the previous episode. It really is like they stopped for a week and then picked it up sometime later. The shots just don't match at all in the recaps, but it's another... looking for a snitch by the name of Squealer. Oh, there's a... Sorry, I'm... I'm... Yeah, this guy who's just collapsed behind Dick, a robot um, behind Dick in the bar has just collapsed. I think it was a robot in uh, in Space Police who sabotaged the train. A weirdo in a corner was blowing his top. Oh, and Mr. T is in the background. There's a Mr. T action figure in the background of the bar. The guy had a face oh. like two miles of broken road. I joined him. He was a rat and a fink. But I needed to know about Harry the human cannon. Yeah, so as I was saying earlier, this uh, this series, not only in terms of the production, is it something unusual, something standout. Jump and Jehoshaphat. A banana. Um, <laughs> well, you win some, you lose some. It, it is also something standout in terms of of the Jerry Anderson shows 
and their their sense of humour because through the early Super Mario Nation shows we had this developing sense of humour um, from fairly child-friendly humour in Supercar Fireball right through to Thunderbirds then Joe 90 kind of becomes self-aware on the bad humour front then the humour kind of drops off um, till sort of the second series of Space 1999 where it very rarely works and then comes back full force in Terrorhawks. Another day for the big pair. And this feels very much like, if not a spiritual successor to Terrorhawks, then perhaps even something that takes place in the same anything-can-happen kind of universe. It's like the silliest things that can happen, the silliest things that would be far too silly to put in any other show. We'll just put them all in this. I knew I was it's too um, much. Some guys get ulcers. With me, it's rust. It's uh, so strange. What I also love is that um, there's no backstory for Dick at all. He is a robot, um, and that's it. But I had an appointment. He lives in a parallel universe. Okay. Um, and also, something I love about Dick is that he. He has absolutely no skills whatsoever. He is not, not only is he not qualified for this job at all of being a private investigator, he's a robot. And his only, like, ability as a robot seems to be being able to move. He can't do anything else. It's, uh, it's quite spectacular. Someone had tipped off the cots. I figured it was time to blow the scene. However, he is an extremely endearing character, and... When I came back to the office... I, I struggled... Obviously... Oh, here's Lieutenant O'Grady. He's another... A dead Mexican. The guy under the cover... <laughs> what am I looking at? It's a Pac-Man ghost... With a... But O'Grady wouldn't listen. This isn't working. <laughs> I, I can't talk about this show. I told him I didn't know any ones, but he wouldn't buy it. Oh, I'm going to have to try then, anyway. Yeah, so... I got to pick um, I was being framed. If you haven't seen this show, obviously you can hear from the audios, from this audio, if you're at all familiar with Jerry Anderson work, you've seen Thunderbirds, you know that... The voice of Dick Spanner here is being played by Shane Rimmer. Now, obviously, we all love Scott Tracy, um, but I've never really looked at Scott and thought that nobody else could play that part. But I look at Dick, and I listen to what Shane Rimmer is doing. By Unter the Bar. Jump on Jehoshaphat. How many times can you be wrong? And I can't imagine any other... Uh, familiar voice actor from the Jerry Anderson universe, with the possible exception of David Healy, being able to do as good a job with this character as Shane did. It's just something about the the look of the character. The citizen I landed on went by the name of Luigi. The fact that he has such bad luck, the fact that he is so useless, but Shane brings this sort of slightly heroic and yet very cynical. Uh, edge to this this strange character with a massive chin. 
that's not me, by the way. This is a, a one-eyed man who has just been squashed by Dick. His arm was all busted to hell. His arm has fallen off, and he was reinflating himself with a bicycle pump. Uh, welcome to the world of Dick Spanner. This is normal. It was a basement apartment on the mean side of the wrong side of the track. I was lying about as low as I could get. Uh, lots of photos from uh, the production team, including I recognise Mr. Terry Adlam's photo on the wall there. Her name was May East. Oh, there's May East. When she moved, it was like watching a sack full of bowling balls. Another of our recurring characters who is uh, just just she weird. She's a. She slightly reminds me of uh, of Janice from the Muppets in the fact that she has these huge lips. But uh, with Janice, you can you can see her eyes. May doesn't seem to have any eyes. She's just covered with hair. May was a sweet kid. She said I could come down and see her anytime. Also, she has agent was starting to rev. It was trying to make tracks. A dress that's that's now spinning around like a propeller. Hmm. He was one of Mendoza's goons and looked ready to cut me up good. I'm wondering with this show, uh, and I suppose I probably should have done my research before this. Was uh, was this written with the visual gags in mind, or were they fitting visual gags to what they already had in the script, or was it a bit of both? Where the hell did he go? Then I, I, I have to I have to believe there was some degree of communication between whoever was writing the script and uh, the people who were actually making the program. I guess was he'd make a move pretty soon. And of course, that person writing the show is uh, none other than Mr. Tony Barwick, taking his insanity to new heights, even beyond that of uh, the It Star birth scene and various other mad bits in Terror Hawks. Somebody getting murdered uh, in a drain. I was in trouble. Big trouble. Now we've, uh, by this point, I think we're into like the... Was that the police cruiser from Space Police that's just gone past? Why is there a goldfish in the the ball outside the... What is going on? He was trying to nail me to a bum rap. Oh, where was I? on me with a dead body. What was I talking about? Um, they wouldn't stand up in court. Oh, right, yes. Um, as we're saying, Tony Barwick wrote these, as if we didn't know. But all of this comes from the idea... But uh, O'Grady wasn't buying. ...of Terry Adlams. Uh, Terry was a special effects assistant on Terror Hawks. Also wrote... Dyslexia rules KO. Okay. Uh, uh, Terry also wrote for uh, the audio series of Terror Hawks a few years ago. And Terry is. Things were quiet. If you've listened to his Terror Hawks episodes, he is quite, quite mad in the most wonderful way. And his idea matched with Tony Barwick's writing. It is just like, I don't know, it's a wonderful fountain of creativity that these two, these two mad senses of humour can, can produce. Ah, oh, Mr. Spanner. And, and um, top marks to Jerry Anderson for really getting behind this. Getting behind such a strange concept, but also something that was so out of the ordinary for him. 
And something that's so out of the ordinary for anybody, anyway. And about all the dead Mexicans. It was the bill. Consultancy fee, $250. Payable immediately. Or I'll send the boys round for your kneecaps, it says on the bottom of the letter there. Ah, I... And a dog to go with it. I'm sure there are people out there listening to this podcast who are a bit selective in terms of what Anderson shows they they like and watch. I'm into everything, um, with one or two exceptions, obviously Torchy, and as I said, Lavender Castle I haven't seen. If you're the sort of person who only likes the live-action stuff, or only likes the Supermarionation stuff, and you, there, there are other Jerry Anderson, uh, Jerry Anderson series you haven't seen, I think you really need to give this a look. I can't remember if uh, the five-minute versions are still on YouTube or not. It's possible that five minutes is all you're going to need to uh, to decide whether you like this show or not. But I, I think it's just such a superb concept, brought to life in such a strange way. I mean, there is there is an octopus strapped to a spinning wheel in the background of the bar. He doesn't need to be there. It doesn't serve any relevance to the plot. But they're doing it anyway. Dumb jerk was still on the wheel. I figure I'd try roulette. That was it. That was the only reason that guy was there was for that joke. And this went out on. The croupier said to place my bet. Jumpin' Jehosopher. It was wholemeal. I put it all on 13 black. Well, easy come, easy go. As with Terrorhawks and uh, Two for the Price of One and It Star, I'm coming back to the idea that somebody had to sign off on this. Terry Adlam had to suggest this. Jerry Anderson had to agree with it. Tony Barwick had to... Well, I know Tony Barwick wouldn't have had to delve too deep into his imagination to come up with all this. But then they had to convince Channel 4 to actually show it. I've been hit. I'd heard it. That's just boggling. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it was shown on, I think it was a, a Sunday show uh, that Channel 4 were running called Network 7, hosted by Janet Street Porter. And by all accounts, this was the highlight of the show. People would tune in just to see this, uh, which was probably why it was repeated in a compilation version uh, sometime later. It kind of fits with the early Channel 4 uh, sort of experimental pushing the boundaries of what they could do, um, which they've kind of kind of lost a bit over the years, I think. East Department on the wrong side of the East Side. Yeah, this is the. Am I right in thinking this is the only Jerry Anderson show that's gone out on Channel 4? Otherwise, it was ITV and um, repeats on the BBC. Then as I Sky went, and I Channel 5. The Big Top. Ah. Sure, a circus. <laughs> Harry the Human Cannonball. See, here's another shot. Um, May East, who is currently uh, uh, making a fuss of dick, has got a hammer, <laughs> screwdrivers, a machine gun, and what looks like a chainsaw Jump hanging on the wall of her, her boudoir. There it was. What does she do? It's crazy. Why in tarnation would anybody shave a dog? If um, you're wondering what exactly has happened so far, uh, 
so am I. I have a hard time following the story of this thing, even when I'm not talking over it. Uh, so I am completely lost here. I, I, I don't know the show well enough to tell you what's going on. Then I saw the barman's name was Finn. Right. Guess his first name was Mickey. It was around that time that my lights went out. Another dumb move. I was under arrest for being drunk in charge of a bald dog. Grady was reading the riot act. Okay, whatever. Whatever. Um, I asked Lieutenant how you tracked me down. This was back in the days when you could uh, commission shows and write them and animate them while you were out of your skull on any substance imaginable. And it was okay. Um, that's the only explanation I can come up with for what I'm seeing. I'd taken a greyhound to the edge Arnie Swatsberger is the decorator. Dick, move out of the way. I want to see what that poster says. This senior all over. There was something kind of familiar about him. I tried to figure out where I'd seen him before. Now we're at a circus where uh, Dick is about to get into a hot air balloon. Alongside the obvious baddie, who is now wearing a top hat, and the Peter Laurie um, henchman of his is uh, standing by with a bow and arrow. I think, going back to what I said about uh, how much I can't follow the story, to be honest, the story doesn't really matter. The fact that it's five-minute episodes, it doesn't really give it time to, uh, to develop much of a saga or anything. The old... Hole in the bottom of the basket trick. And here we are with our cliffhanger. Our very first cliffhanger for the randomizer. This is quite something. I had the feeling I knew exactly what was going to happen next. I wasn't expecting it to uh, to be this cliffhanger. I was expecting something a bit more uh, dramatic rather than uh, Dick falling out of the sky yet again. There was only one thing left to do. Someone help me! And that's it. That's the end of uh, our first visit to Dick Spanner. We'll be back with him next week, of course. Um, thank you, Dick. I think you've saved the randomizer with whatever it is we just sat through there. Um, totally mad. Totally wonderful. Looking forward to more next week. Uh,